Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I've got visions in my head. People tell me that I'm crazy. I tell them that's exactly it. I've got reasons for my absence. People tell me that I'm burned out. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Kenzie Elizabeth, and I'm so excited for today's episode. We have author Jessa Hastings on the podcast. We randomly, I actually don't even know when we started talking. We randomly started talking, I think on Instagram, and then we started texting, and then we started audio messaging, and then we hung out. I just love her. I actually talked to Jessa, I think actually almost every single day. One of my favorite people in the entire world, her book actually came out last week, Magnolia Parks. I have talked about it so much. It's actually one of my favorite books. I know, I know that technically speaking, it seems as though I'm biased, but even if I did not know the author, I would still think this. I read this a few months ago in like legitimately 24 hours and I'm so glad that it's out. I will have the link in the description. I know so many of you guys love reading as well. So go check out the book, but we're talking a little bit about the book and then a lot about life advice for your twenties. Jessa is someone that I really trust with my life, especially her opinion. Like I feel like she's just one of those people that you can really trust and also has legitimate good advice. So we're talking about everything from breakups to uncertainties to heartbreak to kind of like church hurt stuff, random things like that. We're really going in every single direction in your twenties. I love her. You guys will love her. Uh, Without further ado, we're going to get into the episode. Oh, but I do want to say the podcast episodes, every single episode is available on YouTube as well. We are filming fully in the studio. So we have an entire YouTube channel, which will be in the description. If you guys would rather watch the show on your TV, I do that at home a lot. We also have our Facebook group. We have the Instagram. We have the TikTok. I mean, we're everywhere. Go follow us. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much it. Anyways, Without further ado, let's welcome Jessa onto the show. Well, I can't believe we haven't actually met because I actually tell you anything. <laughs> <laughs> we audio message, we text all the time. It's crazy. Oh my God, how are you liking LA? The states as a whole. So much more than I thought I was going to. Were you terrified of moving here? Yes. And whenever we were like, oh yeah, we're leaving Australia, I felt like I had to apologize to the Australians. They'd be like, oh, where are you going? Like America. And yeah. I'd be like, oh, I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. But no, we're so happy. I'm like, I feel like my family would be sad at how happy I am. Really? Besides the coffee though. The coffee, the coffee is abysmal. Truly. So you really hate that I drink matcha with peppermint? Oh my God, it makes me sick. <laughs> 
making posts about it every single day. I'm upset about so the good. color. I'm upset yeah. about the flavor combinations. You put too much ice in your drink. It's always weird and frothy. I'm so upset about it. She gets so <laughs> mad. And here's the thing. You know what? Blue Bottle actually has really good matcha too. I was doing this like TikTok thing and someone sent me the order and I thought it was a really weird, gross sounding order. So I got it because I'm like, oh, great. That's a great combination. People will watch this. And I fell in love. I'm a book influencer and I'm a drink influencer. <laughs> like those are the two things that people buy whatever book I say and they buy whatever drink I say, right? Okay. So I mean, literally within an hour, I swear to God, I was tagged in like 50 post of them getting this drink. <laughs> and I was like, that just makes it worse for you. It does. I get tagged every single day and I have yet to hear from anyone that they didn't like it. And maybe if they didn't like it, they didn't post it, but like whatever, <laughs> you know? I actually think I was in a Starbucks the other day and there was someone who had just picked up a drink that to me looked like that. And I was like, this is, this is Kenzie's doing, I know it. <laughs> and I was so angry at this stranger. I was like, whoa. <laughs> It's okay. I mean, maybe have you had matcha before? Do you hate matcha? Yeah, it tastes like grass. Okay, yeah. Stupid. I used to hate it. <laughs> I used to hate it back in the day. And then like something just switched to me. Yeah, right. Call maybe it anxiety. I'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, you know? Oh my god. Okay. Well, I want to talk about the book. Mm-hmm. I've already read it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> me and too. It's actually, yeah, I, mean, I don't know if you had. How did this happen? And also, I know this sounds so stupid, but how do you sit down and write an entire book? Okay. That's a they're really two separate project. questions. How did it happen? Originally, I think I first started writing the book like five years ago, and wow. it was super different, like not even remotely the same book. And our little girl at the time, she was like nine months old and she didn't sleep. Like she was the worst sleeper in the world. And it kind of just started out as like an escape mechanism. And then I wrote the first version. And it was pretty good. And I was like, oh, it came out really fast. And then I wrote like the the next three very quickly. And then none of it's the same. Like some, like the characters aren't even the same. But no Magnolia? No, always a Magnolia okay. and always That's a DJ. Say. But not, not everyone else. I mean, like, like the Tom England equivalent in this book was a totally different character. And that was such a big deal for me when, well, I guess I knew over the last however many years because it was the only story I'd ever really thought of that my brain didn't let rest once I'd finished it. And so I'd like wake up in the middle of the night thinking about them. And so I had it in my head that I was just like, oh, it can't be finished. Like the story has to be rewritten. And then around December last year, I guess, I just was like, I think it's ready. I I think I know what I've got to do. And I started writing it and it still had the old characters in it. And then I was like, this isn't working. That whole expression of like, kill your darlings. I killed them. What is that expression? It's it's a writing expression. Okay. And it's It's like- It's not an Australian one. She does. She'll text me and be like, oh wait, sorry, Australian. And she gives me the whole thing. (laughs) I don't think that's Australian. I think that's a, a real saying. And it just is like- in stories to be more loyal to the story than to the characters, essentially. So if it's going to be better for the story as a whole to kill off a character, kill him off. I didn't kill him off. I just re-angled him, wrote him out completely. Then I very quickly wrote that one, that Magnolia one, and it was probably in like two weeks and then I stopped and then I wrote again for another two weeks and then that was that and that was the whole book came out like as is I didn't edit it I sent it straight off to an editor 
they edited it and now it's coming up. <laughs> wow. Um, it is one of those books where the characters live in your head forever. Oh, thank you like so that, much. I feel like so many books, and not just because we're friends, like so many books that I read, I couldn't even tell you the characters' names. They're like real people to me. It made me so happy when you, after like a week or so yeah. after, and you sent me a message being like, oh, I'm still thinking no, about it. I was like, ah! Yes, it's I really feeling. do. Also, I think there's something about, so my sister and I are really close and we're mm-hmm. kind of in similar social circles. Yeah. So there's something about Magnolia, the sister, be yeah, that's yeah. very like, I yeah. get that aspect yeah. of it, but it's incredible. It's really Thank you. Book. I'm so excited. Thank for you. you so much. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I think the BJ character resonates with girls a lot because everyone has this boy that they just can't get over. Yeah. And you said and so, that Magnolia is kind of you, like yeah. a- aspects of her. Aspects of her. Yeah. She, her in my early twenties, she and I have a lot in common, I guess. My husband likes to say that BJ is based on him. He's the like, I I just would like to say publicly, he is not. Yeah. Like not even remotely. <laughs> so opposite. Do you think that people who follow you are expecting like a devotional? I do. Out? I really do think that. Yeah. What do you I'm think? so nervous. What do you think they're going to say? <laughs> I live with this daily from people. Really, I'm so nervous about it. I think, well, Christians can be so mean oh sometimes. They're so mean. So mean. My only hate comments yeah. are Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. yeah they're, the, they're either the best or the worst. Yeah. And so I'm pretty nervous. I'm pretty sure they're like a, a good portion of people are either going to be thinking an anxiety self-help book or a devotional. And then obviously it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's not either one of those. You know what's so crazy? Speaking of anxiety, I made this connection probably in the past week or so. I saw the secret garden thing with you forever oh. ago but it just now clicked in my head that it's you that's me it took me so long to realize that yeah um yes I mean side note yeah I'm really excited to see what people have to say the dms that I get on a, on a day-to-day basis because people are they're really angry that yeah. I'm not living up to what they expect like a mm-hmm. Christian in quotes to look like mm-hmm. because I'm not the southern Christian whatever mm-hmm. Yeah, and they just like love projecting that onto me. And yeah, you know, it's one of those. It things. is fun to be a worship pastor's wife. People, I can't even imagine. People have very low expectations. <laughs> no. I mean, I think every day I'll get DMs from people being like, what do you think about swearing? And I'm like, well, you're on my Instagram and I know you um, know that I yeah. feel fine about it. How do you feel about swearing? My favorite thing is when you do like a Q&A on stories. What do you call them? You something I call them right? question Wednesdays, but they never That's really land on a Wednesday. So it's like, whatever. <laughs> no, you are honestly one of the few people in like the faith world that I can actually like listen to. Oh, it's so nice. No, Dom and I talk about this and I'm oh. like, at least we have her. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I love the faith world, guys. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I really am. love you guys. <laughs> Okay, it was a joke. It was a joke. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I think I see people just like put you in a box and expect you to whatever and not be like a human being. The best word is no no no. My favorite one that you've ever posted is when someone asks if it was okay if you can listen to secular music. Oh. And you go, Dear God. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so stressful. I mean, like, my daughter is named after a song with the word motherfucker in it. I'm like, I listen to secular music. Like, surely you know that. Like, it's fine. It's fine. Like, I hope that you think it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I want to get a lot of life advice from you in your 20s. I've recently kind of become not a hater of my 20s. I like my 20s. I love my life right now. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm having the time of my life. But it's a 
difficult. Mm-hmm. I'm like a little bit confused. <laughs> um, I've been asking for a lot of things as well on Instagram. So if you guys see me on video looking at my phone, I'm looking at Instagram. Uh, you know, <laughs> oh my god, someone said being single for my whole life. That's just what they put. Okay. Great advice for your twenties. Okay. Okay, let's start with being single and dating in your 20s. I know that's so broad, but what's your best advice? Okay, I think the first thing is there is this weird mindset girls have, especially church girls, but I think girls in general, where they feel like they get to like 21 and they're like, oh shit, like it's expired. Like I'm over the hill. This is the end (laughs) of the road. Like the amount of DMs I get from girls being like, I've never had a boyfriend. I thought I'd be married. I'm like, you're 23. Yeah. Relax. You're going to be fine. Also, that God, I'm not yes. married who I was dating at oh 21. Gosh. Even who I was dating at 23. Like, yes. thank God. Yes. I am 23 and I feel that way. <laughs> you know? No. And I think that there's this, this funny mindset and it's probably like that whole the celebration of youth and like women can't get old and whatever. And I do think that there's this horrible loophole in the system where it seems like once you're past like at least in my world I know a lot of amazing girls who are like 28 to 35 and they just can't seem to find a guy and it's like all of the guys that I know that are in that bracket are dating girls in like the 20 to 24 bracket and I think that's shit I can't do anything about it and I don't know why that happens and I think it's really unfair but I definitely remember (laughs) I remember being 21 and having just broken up with my boyfriend of a couple of years and being like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be alone <laughs> forever. And it's such a real feeling. And it's such a strange, it's so dumb in retrospect because you're so young when you're 21, yeah. you're so young and there's so much more ahead of you. And there's so many more boys. <laughs> it's a very big ocean. Out there. Yeah. And I just think that feeling of like, oh, it's not going to happen. I don't know why we get it and I don't know how to get rid of it because I feel like it's, it's, I don't like it when people make that feeling feel invalid because I remember it. And I remember even like a couple of my girlfriends who were old, I'm 30. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so, old. so old. I can't wait to be 30. I feel like that might all fit my 30s. 30s fun. Yeah. I really like 30. Um, but my girlfriends, I remember when they were in their late 20s and they kind of, a few of them fell into that bracket of they weren't with someone by then and it was such a real pain for them I remember not wanting to make anyone ever feel like oh you know you shouldn't feel like that I know that you do there's nothing you really you can do I do think you're right what you said about how like I can't remember if we were recording or not but that just like when you're not looking that's when you find it it's always the way it's because I she was talking about setting people up and I said I haven't basically I've never wanted to date less I cannot imagine going on a so date the time. over. Kenzie's about to start dating. That's why I'm afraid. I can't imagine going on a date over hanging out with my friends. I yeah, really right. cannot. That does not sound fun to me at all. I had a like more serious boyfriend. We broke up and I remember feeling that after we broke up. Mm-hmm. And it's just so funny. A mere month after that. But now <laughs> being that being a few months ago, I don't even know how long ago it was. It's weird that at that point and I think a lot of it did come from the church of feeling pressured and feeling like I and I've talked to you about this too of like feeling pressure of like who I need to date and that not being the person that I want to date you know and uh, it's like an interesting thing but I remember feeling that after the breakup of like oh my god what am I gonna do whatever and now that I'm 
actually embracing being 23 and not acting like I'm 40 years old. I've right. been <laughs> um, hanging out with my friends all the time. Yeah. I just have like no interest in it. Yeah. You know, I think there's just so many other things to do other than boys. <laughs> yes. And I think like just be busy and like go hang out with your friends totally. and go work and do things. I will say this about myself. I'm never more attracted or interested in my husband than when he's like busy and mm-hmm. not paying attention to me. So I feel like that's <laughs> the same with boys. Like I feel like boys always want what they can't have. That was something that they said in the OC and it stuck with me forever yep. is they say boys want to be chased by girls that aren't interested in them. And I think that's true. <laughs> yeah, that is. It'll be interesting. I say this and then Dom is like, okay, give it two weeks. And like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's been a few months of me saying this though. Yeah. Okay. How do you deal with uncertainty in your twenties? This is probably oh, my geez. favorite topic on the podcast okay. this year. Uncertainty in your twenties. I think embrace it. That's I what think, I'm working on. Yeah. I think that it's just like an absolute lean into the absurdity of everything. And I think that that's really kind of the only way you get a semblance of control in your twenties is kind of like acknowledging, Oh, this is really weird. And I'm just going to roll with the punches because so much changes. I mean, from like 18 to 25, the amount of things you experience, the way the world starts to treat you as like an emerging adult, you're doing adult things for the first time, you're voting, you're paying your taxes, you're doing like nothing, tons of not fun things. And then some of the funnest things ever, like you're really kind of like experiencing adulthood in all of these new ways and colors. And then there are all of the bad parts of that where people disappoint you and you have heartbreaks and people die and you know you it's like the first quarter of living and you kind of get that real life burst I think good and bad happy and sad and I think the only way around is through like I think you just have to be like okay this is what it is and it's weird and I don't think you have to know anything I think there's this big push these days for people to have like a sense of certainty and to know what they want to do and to do it. But I think your early 20s should be about figuring out who you are and then do the rest later, figure out who you are and then just be okay with not knowing. All right, guys, we have a new sponsor on the show and it is called Newly. You guys will love it. Life is happening. I don't know what happened to me. But for some reason, getting dressed has become very overwhelming. I don't know if it's because I feel like every single day needs to be your runway or I just forgot how to dress. But it's really honestly giving me almost anxiety. Like I literally feel like I forgot how to dress, right? So I need to put you on to something, right? This is Newly. It's a monthly clothing rental subscription. You guys can get your choice of any six styles you want to rent each month. You can choose whatever you want for whatever you have going on. It's totally up to you. You also have access to thousands of styles from more than 100 brands. So they have everything from party dresses to premium denim to one of a kind vintage pieces. Newly stock styles in a range of sizes from petite to plus sizes up to 5X plus maternity. They also carry labels like For Love and Lemons, Love Shack Fancy, Free People, Anthropology, and more. They have fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. So no laundry for you to worry about. Renting through Newly means you get to wear more, sometimes thousands of dollars worth of clothing while spending way less. It's a win-win for your closet and for your checking account. 
It's also really fun. It's designed to give you everything you need to get inspired, get creative and explore your style. You can check out new trends, silhouettes and sizes without the commitments, right? It's also sustainable. So newly lets you love fashion in a way that is kinder to the planet. Orders are shipped in recycled, recyclable and reusable totes with no plastic packaging. It's also flexible. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. So no big deal if you lose a button, you spill something on it, or you just need to take a break. Your life needs to flex and Newly gets that. Newly is already a great value at $88 a month for any six styles, but right now you can get $20 off your first month at Newly when you sign up with the code I love you 20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code I love you 20 at sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code I love you 20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. In a study by Esquire, 54% of women said they'd rather be hit by a car than considered fat. If I'm being honest, I've been those women. So for me, this isn't just a podcast, it's personal. I'm Danielle Robay, TV host and journalist, and years of celebrity interviewing taught me that beauty isn't about what you look like, it's about who you become. Each week, I'm having thought-provoking conversations, digging into the stories of people who put a new spin on pretty. From entrepreneurs and authors to politicians and celebrities, no topic is off limits. So join me every Thursday for a new episode to feel pretty inspired, pretty seen, and best of all, pretty smart. That's something that like my friends and I talk about all the time. And I'm very vocal on the podcast about it because the first time I started talking about it, I probably had 300 DMs from people being like, oh my God, I thought you had it all together. Wow. I'm, like, I'm not trying to even make it seem that way. It's just obviously Instagram is a highlight reel. I actually don't even think that's the worst thing ever. I think it's healthy to however you want to deal with your emotions. But like for me personally, the healthiest way is not to cry on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but I feel like I've always been so sure of myself and so sure of who I was. So probably like early 2021, I feel like that finally kind of hit to where I was like, I actually don't even know who I am. It's also me kind of like being able to like think for myself and like critically and not group think. And that was not really like, recommended for lack of a better word, you know? So making my own decisions for myself and what I believe to be true and what I, who I want to be. And that was really scary for me because I'd grown up really sure of it. And then I had been around a lot of people who told me who to be. Yeah. And I think being around those people was also, that's my foundation. That's such a great thing. There's good and bad with every single thing. So it was kind of me like unlearning some stuff. And then also I have the best job in the entire world. Like I was thinking about this today. I'm like, I'm so lucky. I literally come here, you Mm -hmm. know, I have like the best stuff that I do. I travel all the time. I have the coolest friends. Like I love what I do. Yeah. But now I'm like, okay, I feel like I need to have like my next step because I'm out of college. It's like, what do I want to start? What do I want to do? Instead of just being like, okay, I'm good here. But there is pressure for me that a lot of it's self-induced, but to like know what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just trying to be like, it's okay if I don't know what I want to do. Totally. Especially when there's a lot of opportunity. And that's like, I hate saying that because it's like, I'm so grateful for that. Mm -hmm. But because of that, I'm kind of like, oh, it's almost like it's overwhelming. Yeah. But that sounds so rude. I don't mean it in that way. But I'm like, I literally have no idea what I want to do. And I feel like that's a lot of people when they graduate college, just in general. I'm sure so many different things that you can do and it's like it's almost paralyzing yeah when you like look at it yeah when the world is like at your fingertips it's sometimes you're just like shit i'm not 
I'm okay. not gonna move. I have no idea. I'll <laughs> yeah. just sit here. Yeah. I won't leave. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What should you look for in a partner? Bringing it back to dating. Oh gosh. Okay. I've dated some real dummies. <laughs> I went through a phase when I was much less healthy and I was very convinced that the only way I was going to stay interested in a boy was if he like, <laughs> like, like left, like I wanted to date like a athlete or a, like the bad like boy. A, not even like a bad boy <laughs> per se, but yeah, I guess I yeah. just, someone that would go away from me. Oh, like so physically, physically, like oh, someone I that would you mean come and go. Got it. Cause I think that I have abandonment issues <laughs> stemming from my childhood. Uh-huh. And so I, that's the only way I knew how to be around men was men that would come and go. I was very convinced that was the way forward for me and then I met Ben and very quickly he is like the most stable man in the world like he is yeah, so level-headed so yes stable. that's what you need yeah. and so I knew something had changed in myself because a friend of mine we'd been friends since I was seven or something he said to me he was like what are you looking for in a partner and I was like honestly like a good dad. And he was like, you know, what? a year ago, you told me that you were looking for someone that would go away and kiss other girls. And I was like, oh, well, I've, I've evolved. And that's, that's growing yeah. up, everyone. <laughs> and so I think someone who is secure, for one, stable, emotionally stable, mentally stable, I reckon look at his track record with not just like relationships with girls because it's a two-way street but look at his relationships with girls and look at his relationship with friends how many friends does he have around him have they been friends for a really long time is he good at maintaining relationships how good of a communicator he is and there are things I think you can change that I was a really bad communicator when Ben and I got together and now I'm very good but that's all him Um, (laughs) yeah but I reckon someone stable and kind Kindness yeah. goes really far How in a did relationship. You meet church? He's from church, but we actually met in a bar. In, I love that. Yeah, it was actually the craziest story. I had like a real Judy Bloom esque losing my virginity story. Like yeah. it was like the worst story. <laughs> that boy and I broke up terrible and all very sad and whatever. 10, 12 weeks later, that boy and I had started talking again. I thought I was going to see him for the first time. I went to this bar or something one night thinking I was going to see that guy and um, he didn't show up and I was so sad and I said to my friend, let's just go. We'll go to this, our friend's party. So we went to my friend's party and Ben was there and we met that night and then we were together ever since. And I thought how crazy that I went, left the house one night thinking I was going to meet this old guy. And then I met this guy and married him. We were engaged six months later and the end. Something Taylor would do always tells me is, Rejection is redirection. Yeah. And there you go. That's a great 100%. example. That's just the perfect example. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about heartbreak and rejection. Let's just loop them in together because they're so similar. What are your best tips for that? Feel it. Instagram, like you were saying before, is a bit of a highlight reel. And I do think that there's like moving through pain is not a giga right. Like I don't like it when people post sad shit on Instagram. Cause I'm like, Oh, this is, yeah. do you want me to DM you? <laughs> you just, yeah. it just feels attentiony. And so I think there's a difference and a balance between being like asking for attention and just kind of like being real. But I think that 
maybe with how happy Instagram often seems that people feel like they need to breeze through feelings and emotions very, very quickly. But that's not the case. And I think that the only way to process rejection, the only way to process a heartbreak is to like plow right through. And so I will sometimes when people ask me these kind of questions on question Wednesday, I talk about like, I was so good at feeling my feelings, probably too good for a little while that I really like drew in my early twenties, like physically drew a roadmap into sadness. Like I knew how to get there and I could go to this place, process all of the feelings. And I just had this rule that I would never build a house there. I'd just like, I'd maybe put up a tent, but it was a place that I'd come and go from. And so I was always really conscious of making sure I felt it all. If I felt sad, if I felt like the rejection, I'd really like look the rejection in the eye and pull it apart and be like, okay, why do I feel like this? How am I going to stop feeling like this? Was I rejected because something I did? Was I rejected because he's an idiot? Like just, I really pulled it to pieces and it was painful and it was a really, really it, it's not a comfortable experience, but you go through it so much faster. Yes. Like it just like blasts you through it. And so things that would sometimes maybe take someone else who doesn't process their emotions, like t- one, two years, you're done in like three months. This is exactly how I am. Yeah. The second a breakup happens, the second something happens, I know how to deal with it and get through it. And it's interesting because, you know, they always say like girls process emotion immediately after the breakup and guys, it takes a few months. Yeah. And I found that to be very accurate yeah, throughout sure. my life, mm-hmm. but I, I'm also like a very efficient person. So whatever is going to get it done the fastest, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I do. Yeah. And it's the best thing ever. Cause yeah. then you're like, I'm so over quick. it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then all of a sudden no one else is. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what are you talking yeah. about? Like, <laughs> I don't understand. Also I have found there's a stark difference between people in their twenties. Like there was someone that I was like, wow, they're so like, dominate both like they're so emotionally mature and they're but there's a very big difference between being emotionally aware and mature totally. and then also knowing how to process your emotions totally. so you can be aware and point it out and say this and whatever but if you can't process emotion and communicate yeah and the only reason i know how to do that is Thank you to my parents' divorce in the fifth grade that had court-mandated <laughs> man, court therapy the rest of my life. Um, but it's really important. And I now, especially that it's like, you know, my friends are now on, I've been on my own since I was 17. So like now that my friends are like actually on their own and I'm hearing the things, I'm like, guys, it's like, what are you talking about? But it's yeah. completely because of my parents' divorce. So yeah. you know what? Shout out my yeah. parents. <laughs> really grateful. <laughs> Another thing people keep asking about the topic of like church hurt, which honestly is like so overdone and like we all feel it. And it's just, <laughs> I say that like wholeheartedly, totally. <laughs> I'm not trying to like dismiss it. I just mean that like everyone I think in the world feels this, has felt this, faces this at some point, even if you're not in the church. You yeah. know, I think sometimes more outside. Mm-hmm. How do you navigate that? And this is also good uh, for any organization of people. Yeah. So it's so hard. And so sad and so disappointing. And I mean, I've been a part of our church for 20 years and James Joyce, the author, has this quote and he says, there's nothing more abhorrent to the church than man. And I think that that's so true. Like 
God hasn't done anything wrong. God's not doing it. It's, it's people. It's yeah. all people. And I think there is so much work that needs to be done. And I think that too much hurt has happened. I think there's probably going to be more hurt that happens in like the reworking of it all. But I really hope that in like a hundred years, we look back on this time of the church and they're like, that was a reformation. It was different eventually I think we're in like I think it's all growing pains I hope Mm -hmm. I think it's all like this ugly shifting as we like weed out like old conventions and things that really need to go the way we treat people the way we treat the LGBT community like there's just so many things that need a reformation Mm -hmm. in the church and I think anyone paying attention would know that I've been hurt by the church before when I was actually in my early 20s something happened that rattled me to my core and it was a real conscious effort of being like okay that wasn't God Mm -hmm. (laughs) that wasn't God and it was a real like it, it did take a toll on my relationship with him and it did take a toll on my relationship with like how I viewed leaders but I'm now really lucky because all of the people I'm around now are really good and stable and I have personal relationships with them and so I feel like I can trust them I think trust is a very important thing and I think that's I think that's hard especially in like a mega church scenario where a lot of the hurt seems to happen is that there are so many different layers of people that if someone says something maybe out of context, in context, out of context on a platform that is offensive or wrong or whatever, I think that it becomes really difficult for you to treat it just as a person who misspoke as opposed to this like big sweeping statement because people misspeak all the time. People Mm -hmm. say things they don't mean all the time. People are irrational there. Especially I think when you're talking to a crowd of people because you're nervous. Yes, you're so nervous. I mean, and there are so many things that people should never say and should never have said. And I'm not making excuses for that. I don't even, I'm not even referring to a specific scenario, but I'm sure it's happened a (laughs) bunch of times. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, literally. I think that the only way again kind of is like, to face the hurt. I think it, and I guess it depends. Like if you want to still be involved Mm -hmm. in a church, yeah. The only way to process it is to process it. It's not going to go away. No one's going to process it for you. I'd say 80% of the time, no one knows that you're offended. No one knows that you're hurt. Like it's just 99% of the time. (laughs) It's just some, someone has said something and you've been hurt or you've been offended. No one's going to know. So if you're feeling like that through it, you just have Mm -hmm. to go through. I went to Bible college. There's no church here. Like there is Bible college. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't grow up in it. And then I like found God. I was like seventh to sophomore year. And I mean, I was like saved the week later I was dating the pastor's son. I mean, when I say I'm all in on things, I'm all in on things. We're still friends actually, but I was overnight and that's what I needed. I was in a really dark place and mm-hmm. it was really good. And then I had a like very bad experience and ended up leaving for years, moved out to LA, end up in Bible college, very backwards. Like I leave yeah. Texas from here. <laughs> and that was like such a great experience. Like I'm so glad that I did that. I think mm-hmm. it really set me up. I have so many things I have. Honestly, I have more, especially in the Bible college setting. I think it's more common that you're out of the church after than you are in totally. it. It's so, I meet people all the time. Like yeah. I went to Bible college yeah. and I'm like, where did you go? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I'm really grateful. The only one I would have ever survived. And I will say I barely did. was the <laughs> one that I went to yeah. and I have so much respect for those people and I love them. And they really are like 
family and whatever. But I think it doesn't matter what group of people you are in, there's going to be hurt. It doesn't matter if you are at a work organization, if you are at, it hurts worse, I think, because we will accidentally associate the church with God sometimes. Yeah, and you have this high standard, which is, it's a funny thing that the older I've gotten, the more I've started to view like Christians as just regular humans Mm -hmm. who love Jesus. And then that actually makes a lot of stuff less painful because when you hold people to this standard of what you, I guess you imagine what Christians should be like and uh, to their credit, probably should be like, but it's just like, you know, like they're not, they're actually just, they're just humans and they, they love Jesus. And that's the only difference. And yes, that should translate into some different behaviors, but sometimes it doesn't often it doesn't. And I think the, that accepting that is like key. Yeah. I think too, like what I love so much about on like a more positive thing, what I love so much about honestly, some churches in LA, some churches elsewhere is how I like when they're really creative and it's not just in this really small box of like, this is what you're supposed to be completely unrelated to like character and morals and things like that. I don't mean that. I mean more so of like creative, you're in different industries, you're in different things. Like, I don't know. I really do love where it's heading in that place, but it's a really real pain. And I think it's, it's just something that unfortunately I think is always going to be a thing. I think so too. I think it was just human relationship. Yeah. If you have a relationship with someone at one point, they're going to hurt you. It doesn't matter if you're in the church or not in the church. Exactly. So, okay. Realizing career does not equate to purpose or identity. So essentially building your identity. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I guess that's a big one coming out of college because I think that there's like that pressure again about figuring out what you want to do, doing it. And then you spend so much of your time like knuckled down, focused on that specific thing that of course you're at one point going to be like, oh, this is me. Like you become enmeshed in your, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a teacher. I want to be a teacher. I'm a teacher. I am a teacher. I'm a teacher. And then something happens. You're not a teacher anymore. And then you're like, oh, I don't know who I am. I think that's super normal. But I guess the thing, the older I get, the more I see is that humans are so adaptable. You're going to change your mind on things a thousand times and that's good. And I think as well, like you can change your career. I think it's the nicest, most inspiring thing I ever hear when I see like on those Upworthy posts where they're like, this 55 year old just graduated med school. I'm like, come on, that's so amazing. That's so cool that you can have lived your life a certain way. You can be past halfway in your lifetime and then be like, oh, I want to change some stuff up. That's so cool. I think that you're a little bit responsible for the things that you let define you. I think that mindsets can creep in and it's your responsibility to be like self-aware enough to be like, no, that's actually not who I am. I'm this, 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 and this, which I guess comes back to knowing what this, this, and this you are so that when the other things come, you can be like, oh, that's actually, that's maybe a facet of, of what I like or what I want to do with my time, but it's not who I am. And that's really good. I am like such an overachiever. So for so long. (laughs) Are you a three? Yeah. Yeah, Oh my God. I'm like the poster child for threes. Yeah. And that was a really hard thing for me to learn. And a lot of it is like through my faith. Like at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, I can't really like speak to other things as much. Yeah. But that was a really big lesson for me. And I've struggled with anxiety my entire life. Like I remember being so young and feeling it. Yeah. 
And it made my anxiety so much worse Mm -hmm. because I was always like looking for the next thing. And now I find, and it took a long time, but I I really do finally feel like I am my own person and this is just what I do Mm -hmm. versus like, my whole life is this thing that's the only thing that I care about. And also you're like a lot more interesting when you don't like find your identity in work. You have like other things to talk about. Totally. It's like interesting, you know? That's why I love reading. I have so many hobbies. (laughs) I have things that I hang out with. I see my friends, Yeah. you know? And that was like not always the case. Mm -hmm. Okay, someone said, balancing fun slash YOLO. (laughs) You know, this one, right? (laughs) Versus building my future. I wouldn't worry that much about building your future at in your early 20s. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's really what it is about. I think you can be making smart decisions in the background. So like attend university, if that's what you're doing, don't skip out on your classes, show up to work, be a good worker, be a hard worker. When you're doing that sort of thing, as in like you're when you're on that work mindset and that mentality, do it. But I don't think you don't need to be thinking about building your future I think it's such it's even that's kind of like strange language to me and I'm a re, I'm a four to me that's a really foreign concept I've always known what I wanted to do I've always known I wanted to be a writer and I guess I kind of thought oh it's probably just gonna fall into place at one time and it just wrote a lot I guess but that I would say just have fun and I think have fun intentionally get to know yourself, like be good with your own company, have fun with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's the quote for the episode. And you're like, wait, first not a devotional, now that. <laughs> I'm really appealing to my audience, guys. How would you recommend someone to like build themselves though? Reading? One, I actually do really think reading I completely agree. That's blows why I do it your mind. Yeah. Like it just expands you. It, whether you're reading fiction, nonfiction, it introduces you to characters, it creates empathy, you start feeling things. Reading, huge, a duck dive into getting to know yourself, I think is heartbreak and exposing yourself to painful things. I don't know that it's necessarily recommended, but I reckon it was like for me a slip and slide into getting to know myself was like back-to-back heartbreaks. So I would say don't shy away from pain. I think you learn a lot about yourself in pain. I think you learn a lot about yourself by looking back and analyzing your childhood, analyzing why you were the way you were when you were in high school, how you treated people. I think that there's so much you can learn from self-reflection if you do it like unabashedly. If you really look at yourself and you're like, oh, I really treated that person badly or I was like this, but it was probably like this because of this. And I think if you're aware and you you make a conscious effort to be aware, then that's probably a a, a quick way of getting to know yourself because you'll see you're a lot worse of a person than you thought you were (laughs) five years ago and you'll be mortified and you'll be horrified. And if you can look at that and you'll be like, okay, but now I've grown and I'm going to grow again and I'll keep growing. One thing I say that I think is so interesting, would you say if you had the choice of going to space, like deep space or deep sea, what would you do? Space, I think. It's so interesting. I always can pick the kind of people that's going to say, and I think, I don't know why, but I often then find that people that want to go to space more than they want to go to the sea are less likely to be the kind of person that naturally wants to look inside of themselves. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. 
Well, okay, I was born with this like innate, it's the best and the worst thing about me that I always want to grow, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm always wanting to grow and it's not necessarily that I always want to look within, but I just know that I have to do that in order to yeah, grow. Yeah, right. So that's why it's not because I'm like, oh, I'm excited to look within, yeah. you know? <laughs> and I'm a weird case because of my like therapy upbringing, yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I think about seeing that makes me feel claustrophobic. Yeah. I think looking within maybe would make you feel claustrophobic yeah. as well. <laughs> Is there anything that you did in your 20s that you regret? Like, it doesn't need to be one of those, like, oh, I'm happy with where I am now. Like, I don't regret anything. Like, is there anything you would actually take back or do differently? I'm sure there are a million things. All of the worst things that happened to me and all of the things that made my early 20s feel so tumultuous and sometimes sad are all the things now that I feel like has made me who I am. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there are like things that you wish you could unsay to people or, but some people say having a college boyfriend, that's like college boyfriend. That's what people have just been saying so much recently. I'm glad I dated the boys that I dated, even though one of them is definitely like a proper sociopath yeah. for sure. A hundred percent. That's okay. He's going to be, he'll go far. He really will go yeah. far. He's going to do really well in the world. Um, and so I remember being in the moment and being like, I have a lot of regret for these things that I've done mm -hmm. or like, you know, like how relationships end. I remember that feeling really sad at the time. And even now I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's comforting though. Yeah. Because I think something that gets me through hard times is thinking of other hard times I've been through and how I don't feel that way anymore. Totally. What you said about a heartbreak, will it's like a slip inside mm -hmm. to getting to know yourself. The thing that's so interesting about heartbreak is you come out of it on the other side very different in most mm -hmm. in good ways, hopefully. 100%. Yeah. And you, who you are now doesn't even want that anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the coolest part about it. Mm -hmm. There are things that I thought I wanted so badly in my life mm -hmm. that now I don't have. And it was <laughs> it, literally to this day, I say it's the thing I'm the most grateful for in my entire life. Yeah. Like over my career at that point, And that means the world to yeah. me, you know? And I think just keeping that mindset mm -hmm. is really helpful, especially in your 20s when I'm like, I have literally no idea what's happening. Mm hmm but it's okay. Yeah. You know, we're getting through. <laughs> I'll survive. Thank you for sharing uh, so much wisdom. I, you get the audio messages all the time. So this is not the last time. Maybe for the viewers or the listeners, mm -hmm. But I want to talk a little bit about the book as we end off. Where are they able to find it? Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Okay, cool. We'll have it in the show notes as well. Oh, thanks. Yay. <laughs> um, where can they find you and where can they find the book Instagram? Magnolia Park's book is the handle for Instagram and my one is jessa.hastings. And Magnolia is very um, fabulous. You might like hate that word. It's like randomly been a word that I use like ironically. Um, she's like the coolest girl. She is. Yeah, she's, she's a handful, but she is. Yeah. Very much so. I'm like, yeah. maybe there is a reason. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> okay. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Thank I you for having me. I love this episode. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jessa. I will have Magnolia Parks in the description. Be sure to go order it. I want to be tagged in your stories as you guys are reading it. Um, but without further ado, let's get into the listener call in. Hey, Kenzie, big fan. So I have a wild little story for you. So the first time I went to meet up with my now boyfriend, we met on Bumble. And of course, all you see is their first name, their college, like where they're from and maybe what their job title is. And so I wanted to make sure this man was real. 
And so I looked him up on Facebook, couldn't find him. Looked him up on Instagram, of course, couldn't find just his first name. And so what do I do? I go to LinkedIn. And I use all these filters because it has his college where he's currently living and his job title and he pops right up. So I'm like, cool, this man is real. Nobody has a fake LinkedIn. And so I click on his profile, of course, just to, you know, get some more information and make sure he's not fake, right? And then I go, I meet up with him. I forget that this ever happened. And of course, he uses LinkedIn regularly for his job and he has LinkedIn premium so he can see every single person who viewed his profile. So he asks me, so how'd you find me on LinkedIn? And I had no idea what to say. I was so embarrassed, but it was all okay. Now we're dating. It's like six months later. Um, but that was just a funny little story time for you. Okay, goodbye. Oh my God, I think I would quite literally die. This is actually a really common thing. And I do feel as though it's necessary at this point for me to use my platform to make sure everyone is aware that people can see when you view their LinkedIn profiles. Now, I'm sure there is some sort of hack to go around this. And if you have it, please let us know in the Facebook group or on the Instagram, or maybe we'll do a post. But this is really an epidemic and we need to figure out a way around this. I'm so happy it worked out for you, but I quite literally think I would die. I do have a lot of friends who get their reports and can see like their ex-boyfriends viewing their LinkedIn profile because they're blocked on everything else. So it's really common, but I do feel as though it is something that we need to raise awareness on and also come up with a solution. Anyways, hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Bye Magnolia Parks. Subscribe to the podcast. Watch us on YouTube. I love you guys so much and I'll talk to you next Thursday.